Freedom Hut. The RNC goes out with a bang. Most powerful moments from the convention. Psycho libs mob old ladies in the street. And Pelosi doesn't want Biden to debate. This, this is the Buck Sexton Show. Where the mission, or mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One Make no mistake. America. Great. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now. At the Democrat National Convention, Joe Biden and his party repeatedly assailed America as a land of racial, economic, and social injustice. So tonight I ask you a simple question. How can the Democrat Party ask to lead our country when it spends so much time tearing down our country? Got to give the RNC credit, folks. They didn't just make last week look like the JV team. They spiked the football in the DNC's end zone, did a backflip, then ran up into the stands and asked out the prom queen. And she said yes. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this week of compare and contrast between Democrats and Republicans. What was the Democrat convention? Uh, America sucks, but with some socialism and a whole lot more social justice, uh, it'll be almost tolerable, but still pretty racist. That was what you saw. Oh, and Donald Trump is Hitler and, and killing everyone and destroying everything. That was the message. And then this week you had the RNC where you had inspiring speeches by people dedicated to uh, this country. Patriots who believe in a better future for all of us, a future that we can attain if we continue on our current path. And it was it was powerful. There were some very good speeches. And I'll tell you, I am a skeptic usually about pageantry uh, in politics. I'm not somebody that gets excited about this. And, you know, I I always say the State of the Union address should probably just be posted online. I'm not a fan of these things in general. The RNC was very well done from a production standpoint, messaging just the quality of of it as a, a visual. Right. I mean, this is what. This is really a long, in a sense, a long campaign commercial, and it was compelling. It was meaningful. And I was I was very impressed. And I went into it thinking I was going to have to tell you that it was a missed opportunity. It's not. The GOP now has the momentum. That's what we're going to be talking about today. The Trump administration has achieved a turnabout here. They've managed to stop the Democrats from being on offense and for the first time in months, put them on defense. And you love to see it. It's a it's a beautiful thing. I will say the Trump speech last night. Look, folks, I I tell you the truth. I watched the whole thing as it happened. The, The speech was fine, a little bit not focused enough and about 30 minutes too long. Which is way too way above what it should have been for a speech. It was way too long, but. The fireworks display afterwards was pretty amazing. The entire night, the way that it was set up, the backdrop of the White House. Oh, the Hatch Act. Yeah, good luck with that, Libs. Cry cry more, Libs, about the Hatch Act. But overall, it was a a huge success. I thought the president's daughter, Ivanka Trump, did a very very solid job uh, introducing him, uh, referring to him as the people's president. And now everybody can really see 
In, in a way, I feel like there was an even greater focus on the message because you, you don't have that. Yes, there's an energy. There's a, a sense of, of frenetic excitement when you have a huge auditorium, amphitheater, whatever, full of people at a, at a convention, and they're all milling about in the background, and you're having the big speeches going on. But this time around, it was just the, the distillation of what the arguments are for each side presented for people to watch in the comfort of their homes. And so that's what we were able to do, focus entirely on that message. And unless you're one of the very small handful of people involved physically in being present at this RNC, we all had the same experience of watching it together. But what an incredible, an incredible victory for the administration that they're presenting this competent, well-produced, and dare I say, earnest and heartfelt Pitch to the American people about what the future looks like with four more years of Trump as we are getting through this covid pandemic. We're on we're on the other side of the worst of it. I'm very confident of that now. All the numbers are, are supporting that. Uh, but as we're moving into a, this this better four more years and really all we want is a, I just want the first three years of Trump continued for four more years. You know, the pandemic, that's just something that that hits you. You know, sometimes. It's just not your day. You know, the bus runs off the runs off the, the road and you're standing in the wrong place. And America got hit. It's not Trump's fault. And I think that he's done a, a good job of managing an incredibly complicated set of circumstances. But what do the Democrats offer? And this was what was really in such stark relief last night. I mean, it was almost like if you were writing the script for a movie it couldn't have been more dramatic and clear. You had the president and all the all the different RNC speakers last night who are making their case to the American people. And they're doing so, yes, with the with the backdrop, the majestic backdrop of the White House. And oh, they weren't wearing enough masks and social distancing. They were they thought they were there for John Lewis's ninth funeral or they thought they were there for a Black Lives Matter social justice protest that involved burning down a convenience store or two and, you know, looting a Macy's. So no masks, right? No social distancing. Who cares? No problem there. But after the event, which, as I've said, was just they crushed it. They did a fantastic job. And the DNC was just weak sauce. The only highlight of the DNC was that Joe Biden didn't on camera pass out in his oatmeal and start muttering to himself about, you know, feeding the squirrels. That's it. That's the only thing that they could really point to and say, wow, that was really meaningful. And that's a very low bar. But what happened afterwards? What did we see occurring uh, last night and being shared all over social media? The savage, angry Biden voter mob accosted people who were attending the RNC as soon as they left the White House grounds. So there's substantial security to enter the White House grounds, obviously, during this. But you got to go home at some point. You know, not everyone can have a sleepover in the East Wing. So what do they do? They waited and camped out outside. And it's disgusting what they did, what they said. There's video of these Biden voters, these Trump hating Biden voters running up and and extending the middle finger, actually two middle fingers, 
right in the face in a way that's meant to be menacing, meant to be threatening of, a, of, a, of an elderly woman. Okay, little old ladies walking out of the White House RNC event with her husband. And, you know, she can't be more than 5'2". And some lunatic MSNBC-watching, DNC-supporting Biden voter runs up to her, cursing in her face. Imagine if that were your grandma. If I could get away with it legally, I would sock that punk in the mouth, knock out a tooth, and not feel bad about it. But, of course, that's illegal. Although, I don't know, you could claim it was border, it's borderline assault to run up in someone's face and start screaming in their face. See, this is what the libs do. Everything they can to terrorize, to frighten, to unnerve, just short of justifying, legally justifying, I think morally it'd be entirely justified, legally justifying just giving them a haymaker right in the jaw. Oh, he hit me! That's what they would all say. I've never seen such a collection of pathetic beta males in my life as I have at all of these protests. Notice that they always think they're so brave and tough when they surround people who are by themselves, when they surround people who are elderly, who are infirm, and sometimes they hit them. Sometimes they do attack them. You saw that uh, that 70, 70 year old in Kenosha trying to defend his store went up and just just hit him right in the mouth, knocked him out cold. These people are evil. These people are evil. And it was so clear to anyone watching last night that these Biden voters are such vicious morons. They think they have the moral high ground while they ambush and scream threats in the face of an elderly woman leaving a political event. Look, I'm sorry your DNC was pathetic, you losers, but it's not her fault. And I think we should all see that the Democrat Party has turned into, and I I mean this now, the Democrat base in the era of Trump has turned into a grotesque celebration of militant stupidity and mental illness masquerading as activism and social justice. These people are sick. There's something wrong with them. Well-adjusted, honorable, decent people don't do what these savages were doing last night. And it's not like this is a one-off. They show up at officials' houses. In the era of Trump, it's been anything goes. Whatever they think they can get away with without necessarily having to deal with force in response from the people that are, you know, they will go right up to the edge, right up to the edge where they'll still claim if you were to, you know, just throw a right cross into one of these punks that, oh, I was just, it was just a mostly peaceful protest. Go back to Brooklyn and watch Rachel Maddow and Chris Hayes. That's, that's what we're dealing with. These people are completely out of their minds. And if you, if you were able to do a poll and, and hat tip uh, Dave Reboy on this one, because he, he put this out on Twitter, I think it's so true. If you could tell so many of the most lunatic of these Democrat protesters, so many of them are teachers, social workers, people that are supposed to be ethical, considerate, kind, helping people, molding the youth. But they've really been overcome with a Marxist frenzy. They've completely lost all normal connection to their fellow human beings. And so they feel entirely justified in doing stuff like this. They surrounded and yelled 
at and, and look I, there's so much audio out there, but it's just a lot it's just there's bleeps everywhere it's all blank 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 you know they're just cursing screaming f-bombs so I, I it's not really it wouldn't be good radio but it's all over the internet you can see it they surrounded and yelled at Rand paul outside the rnc last night as he's leaving what was a very uh well-produced, excellent, powerful, memorable event, unlike the DNC, which was garbage, uh, they, they surrounded Senator Rand Paul, who, as we know, was almost beaten to death by his lib neighbor on his own front lawn just because he didn't like what Rand Paul stood for. That's what libs do. And was almost shot to death by an insane Bernie Sanders supporter. So... I think that's meaningful. You know, this is a guy who's really been through it. He has been the target of really two attempted murders by libs in the last three years. And they surround him and they're yelling about justice for Breonna Taylor. And how Rand Paul doesn't care about black lives. It's not possible to be more ignorant than these crowds of Democrats are. It's not possible to be uh, more uncouth savage stupid rude dishonorable they're they're setting new records all the time Rand paul introduced the justice for brianna taylor act into the senate Rand paul may be the single most ardent supporter of actual police reform in the united states senate maybe even in the united states government and you're gonna mob him with his wife present and threaten them and scream in their faces on the street and yell epithets and curses at them only because they just they see republican they see white male republican attack that's all that's all they know did this happen at any dnc event has this happened at any democrat fundraiser did anyone do this to the obama administration was anyone waiting outside of events uh, waiting outside the DNC and engaging in this spittle, uh, spittle-laden, expletive-filled ambush? No. This is not on both sides, friends. This is not a we do it and they do it and let the chips fall where they may. The Democrat Party has gone insane. The people that are now running the primary narratives, the people that are in charge of the messaging for the Democrats and the Democrat base have completely lost their minds. They need to be brought back to reality. And I mean this. The only way it's going to happen is if Donald Trump wins four more years. The only way that we'll achieve any justice for all of this insanity is if Trump wins again. When you're thinking about this as you go in to cast your vote this November, Just remember that if Trump wins, it'll emotionally shatter millions, perhaps tens of millions of leftists across the country. They will they will actually wail in public. They will rend their garments. They will cry and weep and scream and cry and weep and break things. What they did last night is a reminder for all of us. That the Democrats will have earned every single second of those four more years of donald j trump every second of you're in the freedom hut this is the buck sexton show podcast 
and we're still struggling, Mika, because there's a guy in the White House who wants to prove a point. Yeah, not shocked at all uh, by the sort of grotesque display that was against the law. More um, super grossed out and really worried about the people who gathered there, who put their lives at risk to kind of squish together and, and support the president. Well, I'm like so grossed out, like eh, squished together. Like they're just so uh, unseemly. And the Mika and Joe show is... His be- it is beyond parody at this point. You know what I find gross? Everything that's gone on in the Mika and Joe show for, I don't know, the last 10 years or so, but who knows how long. Well, I'm talking about things getting squished together. So, anyway, gross. Yeah, no, they're there to just trash the people that were sitting outside of the RNC Remember, we, we've all we've all been told now many times by scientists in the past, at least, that outdoor mask wearing is unnecessary. But now we're told that if you don't do it, you're a bad person. Uh, oh, and it's against the law. Sure. Sure it is. It's uh, against the law. Why don't they go try to arrest the president on the lawn of the White House because his guests aren't wearing enough masks? Play four. And seeing all those people sitting side by side for so long with no mask, and then to hear after it, the White House explanation is, you know, we're all going to get it eventually. <clears throat> well, you know, what, what, what I thought of, and I've just been covering this for so many months now, is that the history books will be written about this, this chapter in our, in our lives at some point, and it will show uh, events like that and say that in the middle of a pandemic, uh, at a time when the country decided to shut down when there were 5,000 roughly people were infected, and at a time when there were more than 5 million infected, we started having events like that again. I mean, it, it just, it, uh, it's, it's, um, it's really frustrating. Uh, it's mind-boggling. And, and I think it shows that there's certain segments of the population still have not learned or are not paying attention to uh, what this virus is. Yeah, Dr. Sanjay has been wrong about this at every step of the way. But thanks anyway, CNN. But don't worry. This was the ninth, uh, the, the ninth, justice gathering of the week in washington dc it was all up all about uh blm that's what they thought they were there for so the rules don't apply thanks for listening to the bus sex and show podcast remember to subscribe on apple podcast the iheart radio app or wherever you get your podcasts even the crazy democrats at least in the leadership circles those at the at the top of the democrat apparatus recognize they got a problem here They've got they've got an issue uh, because the American people have started to really see what's going on here with these protests, what BLM is all about. None of this is a surprise. You know, none of this is a surprise. And eventually it wears thin, right? The routine that we've seen people in very prominent positions doing, um, you know, where, where the media, for example, will always find a way to uh, tell you that there's an, a, a justified underlying need for these protests. And so everything is, uh, everything is acceptable then. We've been lectured for years by the media about how Trump has coarsened the discourse. But while Biden voters build guillotines to put on public display, as they did yesterday in D.C., and scream profanity in the face of little old ladies... Our oh-so-brave journos are silent. 
They deserve nothing but your contempt. Don't ever, ever forget that. Uh, I, I am increasingly seeing uh, that the CNN millionaire anchors are a little bit worried. Usually they would just dismiss any criticism of the vile, ignorant mob as distracting from the overwhelming desire for justice. It's a distraction to talk about the violence, the looting, the arson. This is about justice. No, it's not, actually. It's about people being angry and taking it out on people that they've been told by the Democrats and by the media are responsible for why they're angry. But it's not their fault. No. People really that are that frustrated, that are that enraged, need to look inward. What's really going on? Why is this happening? But normal people will see, for example, the surrounding of Kentucky Senator Rand Paul after the RNC, and they'll think, what a, bin, what a bunch of angry lunatics, right? Because Rand Paul is, in fact, committed to criminal justice reform. You're going to mob Rand Paul? Better than any Democrat on the issue. Done more for incarcerated black Americans, incarcerated people in general, than anybody else in the Senate. You're going to go after Rand Paul? But no, no, they'll, they'll find a way. In CNN, they'll find a way to tell everybody that this is, uh, we're, we're pouncing on it. That's what they'll say. We're pouncing on their absurdity and their insanity. You remember a, a couple of days ago when I told you about what the, the Biden move was going to be? This, this was remarkable. I said, guess what? Get ready for it. I even told, it's, I didn't want to make producer Mark go through all the transcripts and stuff, so I don't think, I don't think we actually have, but just, you guys heard me. It was this week. I said, Biden's, Next move is going to be blaming Trump for the idiocy of the the riots and all the things that are going on right now. Um, blaming Trump for essentially Biden voters doing all this stuff. So Biden's base ruins the country as much as they can. Acts like a acts like total barbarians. The Democrats at every turn try to stop law enforcement from intervening, undermine law enforcement as a general proposition. And then when this monster of the Democrats own creation finally becomes a problem for them, this is this is what they're going to do. I, I told you they will say it, it's on Trump's watch, though. So they're basically setting the fire, body checking and throwing elbows at the firefighters. And then when the fire's not put out fast enough, yelling, oh gosh, this fire department really, you know, the mayor's not getting things done well enough. That's what the Democrats are doing right now. Joe Biden put this out uh, last night. Remember, every example of violence Donald Trump, uh, Don Trump, sorry, Donald Trump decries has happened on his watch under his leadership during his presidency. What did I tell you, folks? Did I, I mean, come on, did I, did I, producer Mark, I did see this one coming. It's true. Saw this one coming. This is exactly the predictable move that they would make under the circumstances. Biden's newly discovered, oh crap, my base is riding so much it actually might cost me the election. It's not a moral position. It's a cynical political posture from ruthless Democrats like Biden, devoid of honor or courage. Even the Atlantic, a left wing, the, the Atlantic is for psycho libs 
who got above a 1,200 on their SATs. That, that's kind of what I'd say about the, that's the definition of who reads the Atlantic. Uh, Biden should go immediately to Wisconsin, George Packer writes in the Atlantic. He should speak for justice and for safety, for reform and against riots for the crying need to bring the country together. Oh, so the Democrats set these fires, literally set these fires all over the country. And now they want to send Biden in there with a with a bucket of water and act like he's a hero. They've got a problem, folks. They're panicking. They're concerned about this. They should be. They should be. I'm just going to tell you, in a pandemic year, politics is not fair, right? You, you know, you could get hit with a massive terrorist attack that was being planned for years under your predecessor, <laughs> Bill Clinton. You know, you could. There are things that, you, that can happen when you come into office that are beyond your control. But you're going to get blamed for it. You get a cyclical recession. You're going to get blamed for it. The pandemic, while Trump, I think, has managed it well, has obviously made this a really tough year for America. And that's difficult for people. I mean, when you're thinking about who you want to put in charge of the country, what what leadership you you support going forward, you do have to look at the state of things around you. And I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't begrudge somebody a moment's pause who was a swing voter in the last election who went for Trump, maybe even had gone for Obama before, who this time around was saying, well, hold on a second. Is it really true about the covid pandemic and Trump mishandling it? You know, I can understand how they're. And if the Democrats were just a serious party of adults with real ideas that weren't a bunch of socialist obsessed with racial division in, in pretending that it's social justice, that weren't obsessed with these things that tear the country apart. Basically, all the Democrats had to do was not be crazy. And they couldn't do it. They can't help themselves. Because I do think that the president, if he had a candidate who wasn't clearly way past his prime and also just a decades long mediocrity in every sense, if they had a candidate who was just a little bit more on the ball, a candidate who was a little bit more together, and a message of technocratic, we'll, we'll keep you, we're going to keep you safe, and we're going to get things back on track, and we're going to beat this virus, and we're going to w- reach across the aisle, and Trump's record on COVID speaks for itself. You know, th- there are ways they could have really gotten normal people who aren't like you and me. If you're listening to the show, you're more informed about politics than about, you know, 99% of the country. But, you know, people that don't pay much attention to this, you know, your friend Bob or your friend uh, Sally down the street who just want to be able to pay their mortgage, want to go to work or, you know, stay home with the kids and not have to worry about whether school's going to be open or closed because of politics. They could see all the things happening right now and, It wouldn't be unreasonable for them to come away with, well, you know, maybe we need a change. Maybe we need a change from the Trump. I I know he did a good job for three years, but, you know, this covid thing. And I think that's wrong, but I could at least see it. But Democrats decided to say, let's get rid of cops and let the criminals run wild and destroy things and rip down buildings. And let's have this whole national focus on white privilege and white supremacy and really how bad particularly white males are, unless they're a liberal, then they're okay. So white male Republicans are the greatest evil, the greatest threat facing the country. That's what the Democrats decided to do. 
in this 2020 pandemic year. And they're paying a price for it right now. They're scrambling to get back the messaging initiative. They're hoping to reframe the narrative. Joe Biden took his shot with it's happening on Trump's watch. Uh, That's going to be tough because they were the ones saying all along that these were peaceful protests. They were the ones saying these were these movements were just and that this was necessary and needed. Now, what are they saying? So Trump was right to want to send in the National Guard. So Trump was or to send in the National Guard. Trump was right to send in federal law enforcement officers. Who is opposing all that? The Democrats. They, they can't. They they're so crazy, even with the media in their pocket, even with all these built in advantages, the Democrat Party has from the control of institutions, particularly the control of institutions that disseminate information. Uh, and train people ideologically one way or another. Well, they train them as leftists. They have all those advantages, but they've managed to create an issue that is so clear and important to people. You know, you see what's happening in Kenosha. That could be your town. Any town could be Kenosha. All it takes is one criminal to resist a cop, and there's an exchange of gunfire And next thing you know, there's riots and looting and horrible things happening. Even if the cop was justified, still terrible things happening. It could be anywhere in the country. I think there are a lot of people in Ohio, in Wisconsin, certainly, Michigan, Florida, Pennsylvania, who see this and say, why why would I put the Democrat Party in charge? They're going to tell me that after the, you know, the my business gets burned down or after the home invasion that occurs, that maybe I just barely escape with my life because Democrats don't like cops and want to blame cops for the evils of society and, and including many of the shortcomings of our society that are the result of Democrat welfare and anti-family policies. Uh, but then when all that happens, you know, the Democrat Party will turn around and say, well, yeah, maybe you were the subject of an armed robbery or a home invasion or your business was burned down. But the underlying need for justice from these groups, we can't criticize that. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Biden had to speak out against violence this week. Oh, he just figured out that violence was bad. That violence in the name of a political platform or ideas is not something we advocate for in America. It's terrorism. And it's also the death of civil society when people think that that's okay. So Biden spoke out, but also Kamala had some words. And so so I, I did predict on this show, as you know, that Joe Biden was going to just say, well, it's all Trump's fault. The violence, it's the Biden voters burning everything down that Democrats, including governors and people that have state police powers that are supposed to be doing something about this. Democrats completely enabled these Biden voters, these lunatics. It's Trump's fault that this is happening. I mean, you you can't make it up. But I saw it coming. I told you that was going to be his move, because what other move does he have at this point? They're beating up old ladies, breaking into Saks Fifth Avenue, stealing handbags and saying they're doing it for justice or for reparations or whatever. What? Democrats. Uh, But Kamala Harris also spoke out on this one. Play clip three. People are rightfully angry and exhausted. And after the murders of Brianna 
and George and Ahmad and so many others. It's no wonder people are taken to the streets. And I support them. We must always defend peaceful protest and peaceful protesters. We should not confuse them with those looting and committing acts of violence, including the shooter who was arrested for murder. And make no mistake, we will not let these vigilantes and extremists derail the path to justice. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But here's what she's doing. She's telling us all that... (laughs) She's telling us all that the real focus here, I mean, yes, of course, she says, don't blame the peaceful protesters for what the, but the peaceful, what's the difference? They have a protest and then there's looting every night. They have a protest and there's riots every day. We're going to pretend these things aren't, one isn't leading into the other. Why don't we hold the people that are marching one second, breaking into stores or burning down buildings the next responsible for it? Oh, but let's focus in on the shooter. Let's let's focus on that. As if that's the real that's the real answer to all this is one guy who carries a rifle and is attacked by somebody else with a handgun. Two white guys who get into a fight. One of them shoots the other one. Or I guess there's two white guys that he shot. But these people are getting into a street brawl because of the militant tactics of the left. It looks like self-defense to me. We'll see. Maybe not. And, you know, I've seen I've seen differing analyses on how the any possible gun charge or use again, you know, uh, use of the law against uh, Rittenhouse may go. But that's the one per- that's the one person that, that Kamala calls out here as the, the real problem, of course, because he's associated with being a white nationalist and a, and a Republican, even though there's nothing to prove that he's a white nationalist at all. He said he was supportive of the peaceful protesters and he was cleaning up graffiti before the incident happened. <sighs> Here we are. Kamala doing exactly what we knew she would. Yeah. The real problem are are those Republicans that want the buildings to stop burning down. That's what they're telling you. That's what they're telling you. That's what they want you to know. Unbelievable, friends. Unbelievable. But I can't really say that because entirely predictable in the same way. The polls are starting to show it. I'm seeing polls in Michigan, polls in Wisconsin, it's uh, increasingly clear that Democrats had a going into this summer. They had so much enthusiasm. They had quite an advantage and they have just given it up. They've given it up. They can't help themselves. This is who they are. They watch, you know, they read HuffPo. They they think that Vox isn't a bunch of uh, pseudo intellectual beta males scribbling nonsense about how there's actually 57, not 37 genders, right? They, they, they think this stuff is true. They're living in an alternate reality. And while there are a lot of other Democrats that want to live in that alternate reality with them, swing voters, independents, people that are still making up their minds about stuff are looking at all this and saying, I don't think I want to vote for crazy this time around. I, I think I'm going to ride out this whole Trump approach of America first and prosperity and everyone having a better shot at a better future. I think I'm going to, I'm going to give that another, another go here. Let's hope so. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
while running a video of Donald Trump's America. The problem we have right now is we're in Donald Trump's America. You know, to uh, to quote uh, um, Kelly Conway, she said, and I'm paraphrasing today, that they're looking for more violence and more disruption because it helps them politically. He views this as a political benefit to him. You know, he's rooting uh, for more violence, not less. And it's clear about that. And what's he doing? He's kept pouring gasoline on the fire. This happens to be Donald Trump's America. Donald Trump's America. COVID is out of control. He's doing very little to be. He's not prepared. He didn't prepare for it. He hasn't responded to it. And he continues to be in a position where he does nothing to deal with it. We have 15 million people out of work. We have, you know, 50 million. It just is amazing how, if you notice, they didn't speak about COVID. And they didn't speak about any of the reason why we're doing what, what's happening in, in Kenosha is happening. And by the way, I condemn violence in any form, whether it's looting or whatever it is. Notice the sense of some desperation in his voice. Right? Notice the uh, just trying to r- ramble on with all the talking points and just put it all out there. Yeah, it's, it's all Trump's fault. No, this is, this is because Democrats spent the last 120 days or so telling us all that this was a righteous movement of justice and that any focus on the looting and the rioting and the assaults, the destruction of public property. Remember when we were having huge fights a few weeks ago, or now feels like a little over a month ago, about what statues were allowed to stay? The left was having an emotional meltdown. The country was suffering the consequences, and the Democrat Party, top to bottom, was covering for them. Oh, it's about an underlying, underlying need for justice. It's about a, it's about a history of oppression that we need to deal with now. That's that's the kind of crap that they were saying. This isn't dealing with any oppression. This isn't bringing us together as a country. This isn't unifying anything. It's not helping black communities. It's not helping any community. They made a mistake, friends. Democrats have created a problem for themselves, and they don't have too much time to clean it up. As I've said to you, don't. Don't overestimate your ability, uh, your, uh, your enemy's ability when it comes to blunders. It's very possible that they just didn't think this one through very far. You'd think, how is that possible? How could they not know? How could they not understand how this would look to everyday Americans, what the long-term ramifications of all this would be for their party? It felt too good. Getting all those likes on Facebook, getting all those clicks on Twitter and on the websites. Big ratings for CNN, relative for CNN, of course. You know, you take out the airport, they'll lose half their audience. They pay for those airports, by the way. You know that? People always think, oh, CNN, it's such a great... Yeah, CNN pays airports to run CNN in airports. To make it seem like that's that's the news channel, right? That's the whole point of it. Yeah, no, it's not... It's not actually just left up to the, you know, left up to the, the good graces of individual, uh, individual places across the country, uh, airports. They pay. CNN's like, yeah, we'll give you money. Put on CNN so people stuck in a lounge have no choice but to watch this boring crap all day long. Here's, uh, speaking of CNN, how awful it is. Here's Chris, uh, Chris Cuomo. Uh, bro Cuomo. Do you even live, bro? And Don Lemon. Play clip 10. 
lefties. That the lefties had to close down when the country. When you lefties destroy the cities. That's still not reality, but go on. You destroy the cities with your terrible leadership. You scare the cops and punish them for doing their jobs, so now they won't. So who's going to stop all these crazy black people from running around the streets and coming and running through my garden? Yeah. <laughs> You I can't have, have you messing have up my card. tomato plants. <laughs> I can't have you crazy people with the tomato plant and your yeah. crazy white allies. You yeah. can't come into my house. Yeah, well, you know. That, I don't have enough bullets. Yeah, and most people don't even live where it is. So and it you will know, it was only right, get worse. But I'll tell you, it was, it's hard to rebut, Don. It it's is, hard to rebut. It is, but again, it's not reality. And if you look at what's happening on the streets, most of the time it's in, as I have said, downtown areas and it's usually a block or two in some cities i would imagine but they're it's coming a bit bigger but they're coming all right i know that you're being you're, you're look not, at the mcgloskies that's what they think of you that's what they think of you if you if you oppose uh mobs of hundreds sometimes thousands of people in now dozens of u.s cities over the last few months probably a hundred u.s cities plus if you added them up if you oppose mobs breaking windows, burning down buildings, screaming profanity at people, threatening them, punching them, hitting them with rocks, bricks, shooting lasers into the eyes of law enforcement, uh, you see what they fall back on? That, uh, that smug moron, Cuomo. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. He must feel very safe in what I'm sure is a probably a three four million dollar apartment i'm guessing on the upper west side of manhattan because i know where the cnn peeps like to live and uh his multi-million dollar house in the hamptons yeah he probably feels fine they're not going to go through his tomato plants what about the business owners in kenosha what about the black small business owners in many cities across the country who have been ruined oh they have insurance the psychotic biden voters will say Insurance. First of all, a lot of the time they don't have insurance. A lot of small businesses won't have sufficient insurance to cover the catastrophic loss of the entire bill of the entire uh, inventory, the building, everything all gone. But this is what Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo have to resort to. They think it's funny. What, what else are they going to say? We're uh, propagandistic puppets of Zucker, who's just a glorified TV producer. The guys know squat about anything. Just lucky in the right place at the right time to get a big paycheck and be in charge of a legacy media institution. Guy hasn't had a good idea in 30 years. But it's all right. That's what they do now. They laugh at you. They think it's funny. They're making jokes. And their audience thinks it's funny, too. Really? They think it's so humorous. Would they laugh if they were sitting down with one of the people who lost their business? You know, if CNN was actually doing reporting, which it won't, there are others who have done this. They go to cities. There's a lot of devastation. A couple of blocks. Oh, it's just a couple of blocks in downtown. Okay. Maybe some places, 20, 30 businesses gone. How many employees work at that business? Uh, you know, I don't know, maybe 5, 10, maybe 20 or 30. Whole department store chains are shutting down. Yes, in part because of COVID, the economy and all that, but also... They feel like, well, what's the what's the upside of trying to open and trying to be in these major cities when people don't want to be there anymore because they don't feel safe? That safety perception is real and it's real on my street. It's real where I live because I don't live in a four million dollar house with 
lots of security and protection and everything else. Just a normal person renting an apartment like all the other schlubs here in New York. Do I feel safe walking down the streets? I mean, I'm, I was going to say six feet tall, 200 pounds, COVID, so more like 210, maybe 215 now, but uh, yeah, I feel like I can handle myself for the most part, but some lunatic comes up to me with a, uh, you know, sharpened screwdriver, not particularly going to want to get into a hand-to-hand situation, and that's going up all over the city. You're seeing more of it happening. That's funny. Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo think that's funny. Oh, it's funny, and if you don't think that's humorous, then you're a racist. That's what they want you to say. No, I'm actually quite opposed to the majority of uh, you know the majority of Antifa. That is a bunch of white, undereducated, but somehow still college-educated sociopaths. I have absolute contempt for them. This isn't about race, but they try to make it about race. They want to scare people off from seeing the truth. Well, wasn't that remarkable? Chris Cuomo, for a second there, sounded like a reasonable human being. They're destroying businesses. They're looting. You're saying, wow, is he really doing this point counterpoint as a serious conservative? And that's oh. And then he says, that, you know, it's, they're scared of of uh, of black people running through their tomato, uh, you know, their tomato garden or something. Oh, yeah. Ha ha ha. So you're racist and we're going to make fun of you. That's what he's saying to America, basically. People that don't like these protests. What is it? What does he say to the 81 percent of black Americans who want more or the same? amount of police in their neighborhoods don't want defunding are they scared someone's going to run through their tomato patch or whatever is, is that the the answer that you get the journalist class in this country has betrayed this country and they are the enemies of the people the president's right that's why they get so upset when he says this all they care about is perception about them their paychecks their prerogatives nothing else matters what happens to the country they'll cover it one way or the other You see, they get to separate themselves from all the mayhem that's created by the policies that they endlessly support. Don Don Lemon lives in basically a mansion. I know where he lives. He lives up in uh, in a a multi-million dollar brownstone in Harlem. Chris Cuomo, I I don't know where he lives, but the guy's got millions of... That's true of all these CNN anchors. Super rich, they don't care. The economy's bad? Well, they got plenty of money. They've got stable jobs. As long as they do Zucker's bidding, they're fine. They don't care about you and they don't care about the truth. In fact, it's worse than not caring about you. They, they think it's funny to be derisive toward you. Um, they, they really haven't abandoned that attitude that cost them so dearly, the media in general, as evidenced by these two clowns, of those, you know, snaggletooth, dumb, xenophobic, racist hillbillies who are going to go vote for Donald Trump. That's really what they think this is all about. Uh, let's hope they keep that attitude of superiority, unearned superiority and smugness. Uh, I mean, I, and I tell you, I sit here. Uh, they're both intellectually so weak. This is not smart. They're not smart people. They're both morons. But CNN puts them on, pretends they're journos. They're actually just opinion anchors that have other people writing their stuff. And they're there to make fun of you if you have any concerns about what's happening across the country. I wonder if they'd make funny jokes at the widow of David Dorn. Is that funny to them? Is that is that really humorous? Ha ha ha. People scared of running through the tomato garden. Is that funny? Do you think that Chris Cuomo, if he was in the position that Rand Paul was in last night? Where some, uh, you know, Chris Cuomo is very tough when there's a guy who's half his size, maybe. In a public place, middle of the day. 
says something he doesn't like, and then Chris Cuomo gets in his face and says he's going to throw him down the stairs. I just want to know, would that be Chris Cuomo's approach if he had a mob of 30 people screaming profanity in his face? How tough would he be then? Would he be a very tough guy then? You know, all the, uh, all the kettlebell swings in the world aren't going aren't to be able to let you compete with 30 barbarians on the street. So was that funny? Uh, what about the people that, I don't even know who they are, just anyone attending the RNC, maybe they're donors, they're who, whatever. Some of them are elderly. They're being screamed out in the street. If, if Chris Cuomo was screamed at, would, would that be funny? Dan Bongino was there last night. And look, the thing about Dan is, you know, I'd have his back in a bar fight in a second, but he doesn't need it. Uh, but he was being screamed at with his wife present by these savages. What, what does Chris Cuomo think? Is that funny? Is it is it is it something that you should have to deal with that you have lunatics screaming horrible things at your wife while you're with her? These people have no honor. CNN is like an enemy media propaganda machine. No respect for it. It has no honor. No, I mean, no intelligent people work. there are morons. But it's the Democrat Party now, folks. That's what they represent. That's who they've become. And fortunately, more and more Americans are waking up to this. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. All right, let's focus on the positive now. Okay, it's Friday. I know I've been uh, these these libs drive me insane. Um, But let's focus on the positive side of this for a bit, shall we? There were some really uh, memorable lines, some great moments in the president's speech last night. I, I, overall, the speech was too long. It's just true. I don't know why. I don't know why speech writers can't figure this out. Nobody wants to sit for more than more than 40 minutes, really. And I will tell you, 30 minutes for a speech is great. Nobody wants to sit for an hour and 20 hour and 30 minutes through a speech. No, no. This is not a thing, but, you know, they get all caught up in their rhetorical flourishes. And no, 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 no. Any other than that, I'm keeping it real, folks. I keep it real here. But there were some great lines in all of this. And there was one rhetorical question that I'd be wondering about. My fellow Americans tonight with a heart full of gratitude and boundless optimism, I profoundly accept this nomination for president of the United States. The Republican Party, the party of Abraham Lincoln, goes forward united, determined, and ready to welcome millions of Democrats, independents, and anyone who believes in the greatness of America and the righteous heart of the American people. Yeah, that wasn't a rhetorical question. That was the president accepting the nomination. He already had asked before, how can Biden lead a country he wants to tear down? That's the big that's the big hit on the Democrats that I think really lands very solidly right now. That's what you get from the president. And then there's also the, the foreign policy issues that, you know, the, the two things that you didn't hear about at all, really, during the DNC were the riots, which now the Democrats want to talk about because they got a problem. Uh, and and China. Our biggest competitor, the, the focus, the media's relentless focus on Russia was an abject dis- distraction. OK, Russia, as we know, the whole Russia collusion thing was a fantasy, a fairy tale. But also Russia is not our 
primary geopolitical rival, not even close. It is China by a mile. What has been the Biden position on dealing with it? Remember, he's very involved in foreign policy. You can't really hit Kamala Harris on foreign policy stuff because she doesn't have any foreign policy experience. And, you know, there are plenty of people now that have had that have been in high elected office that don't until they get there. But Biden, that's his calling card, man. He's supposed to be the foreign policy experience guy. Here's what Trump says about what would happen if he gets elected. Play 21. China would own our country if Joe Biden got elected. Unlike Biden, I will hold them fully accountable for the tragedy that they caused all over the world. They caused in recent months, our nation and the world has been hit by the once in a century pandemic that China allowed to spread around the globe. They could have stopped it, but they allowed it to come out. Have you ever in your life? Heard a president willing to speak about what the Chinese Communist Party is doing in the way that Donald Trump has. Now, look, you go back to Reagan. Obviously, it was the Soviet Union we were concerned about, not China. But I mean, of the last. Let me think. Four presidents. Have any of them ever seen China for what it is as a concern for the U.S. the way that Donald Trump has? No. No, in fact, Trump was way ahead of this. Initially, there were so many people who were saying that Trump was going to cause a trade war with China, that he was going to destroy international trade, it's going to cost us all this money. And now he has almost single-handedly, I mean, with some help from advisors, moved the foreign policy consensus. And Joe Biden has been wrong on the foreign policy consensus for decades. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. In recent months, our nation and the entire planet has been struck by a new and powerful, invisible enemy. Like those brave Americans before us, we are meeting this challenge. We are delivering life-saving therapies and will produce a vaccine before the end of the year or maybe even sooner. We will defeat the virus, end the pandemic, and emerge stronger than ever before. Optimism, vision, leadership. The president was expressing all those things last night. So that's one vision of the future. That's one path forward for the country. Then you have on the other side, Joe Biden who, when his puppet masters allow him to even say anything. Yeah, I saw it, Anderson. I, I didn't want to play it for you because if you don't see the, the visual, it doesn't really. But, you know, he was in an interview recently with Anderson Cooper, and it's just clear that the guy, is, he's reading off of cue cards. He is kind of losing his train of thought, and he's just saying what he's been trained to do, like, like a poodle or, you know, like a, like a little penguin marching along as it's told to do. That's what Joe Biden offers you. And, and they claim that that's leadership, that that's leadership. This is a guy who, until Democrats couldn't find anything better off the shelf, they were like, this guy's a loser. So they even recognized that. They, they knew if they, if they thought Biden was such a good leader, why wasn't he the Democrats presidential? Why didn't he even run in 2016? Are we supposed to just forget about that? The guy was vice president for eight years, and then it was Hillary's turn. What? Why wasn't it Biden's turn? He's such a great leader. 
He does such a good job. President Trump has run one time officially. And I know he's talked about running forever, but he's you know, he had one presidential election where he was on the ballot and he won. Joe Biden has been weighed and found wanting by Democrats stretching back for decades. And now they're telling us that he's a great leader. I, I mean, they're just lying. to you. They're gaslighting you. Joe Biden, uh, speaking of lying and gaslighting, you're going to hear some of this uh, for the weeks ahead. So might as well be prepared. Might as well dig in for it. Here's what Joe Biden says about the president when it comes to white supremacists. Play 14. I don't know enough to know whether that 17 year old kid uh, exactly what he did. But allegedly he's part of a militia coming out of the state of Illinois. Have you ever heard this president say one negative thing about white supremacists? Um, yes, actually. He's called them losers. He called them out at Charlottesville. He's said lots of negative things about white supremacists. But let's just let's just continue with the lie. Let's still walk. Let's walk around and all pretend like we have not been told what we've been told. Let's let's go through that whole process. That's what the Democrats want you to do. And so that that's annoying. Right now, now I'm just going through the the lines of attack that you're going to hear from Biden that I, I have to say. Uh, just in, enrage me because they're so dishonest. It's so wrong what they do, but this is the way it's going to be. There, that's, so that's one, that, that he's a white, that Trump is a white supremacist. Again, and was this RNC really, was this RNC really in any way showing this white supremacist viewpoint? No, of course not. In fact, many of the most memorable speakers in the whole thing were people of color, were minorities, were black Americans. And yet they act like it didn't even happen. It doesn't even matter. They have a story, they have a narrative, and they're going to stick to it. Um, then you have, oh, it's, speaking of the, the narrative on race, Kamala Harris said this, and, and this was pretty stunning even for Kamala Harris. Play 15. Justice. Let's talk about that, because the reality is that the life of a black person in America has never been treated as fully human. And we have yet to fulfill that promise of equal justice under law. The life of a black person has never been treated as fully human, she says. Kamala Harris is the sitting senator from the state of California with a net worth into millions and millions of dollars and is the vice president of one of the two major parties going into this election. And she's saying that the life of a black person has never been treated as fully human. We had a black president for eight years. And people say, oh, well, that doesn't mean that everything is better. I'm not saying that, but not treated as fully human. I mean, this is this rhetoric is just inflammatory. It's grotesque. It's wrong. But people are desperate now. The left is desperate for some moral high ground. What can they reach for? What can they claim? So this is what they do. This is this is the approach they take. A disconnect from reality. It just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's really true. They'd rather tell you things that get you upset, tell you things that make you scared, as long as you're upset at the right people and scared about the right people conservatives we're the we're the bad people Republicans that believe that everyone should be able to walk down the street safely 
that there should be some. I know this is going to be such a shock. How about some decency and manners in public life, too? I mean, from the the activists and the street protesters. Why is it that we all know if you wore a MAGA hat to a peaceful or mostly peaceful BLM protest, you would be accosted and subject to violence? But if somebody showed up to a, a Trump rally somewhere wearing a BLM T-shirt, yeah, people might say, you know, hey, you know, you're, you're a loser or something, but they're not going to mob them, threaten them, attack them. You would be in no fear of your personal safety as a Democrat going to a Trump rally wearing a BLM T-shirt. None. The opposite is not true. Why is that? The DNC, there was no mobbing of people after the DNC happened, anyone you'd say, oh, well, they didn't do the same event at the White House. So it wasn't OK, but they, there are Democrats in public office. There are Democrat officials and people know where they live. No one mobs their houses. No one tracks them down and tries to keep them up at night. This is one of the, the tactics that the libs embrace now. Go into a residential neighborhood and just wake everybody up. Wake everybody up. This is psychological terror, folks. That's what they're doing. If you did this to a prisoner, right, if you if you went into it, went into a prison cell and and turned on all the lights at 2 a.m. and started blasting music and screaming profanity at them, it'd be like a this would be a, a human rights violation. But they'll do it to people just trying to live their lives in the suburbs and they think it's funny. You know, as, as if there aren't people that are struggling emotionally, physically with illnesses, as if there aren't people that, you know, marriage is at the very frayed to the very edges you know i i my friend of mine i talked to in north carolina who's a lawyer he said one thing he's seen with the pandemic is a lot of marriages breaking down even waking people up at 2 a.m and terrifying them is, is good for anyone you know parents who have small children the people who do this are barbarians they're disgusting and they are democrats i have nothing but contempt for them i, I don't care about their messages they're morons they should read a book and get a job read a book get a job stop Waking people up in the middle of the night, looting stores and burning down businesses. That would be helpful messaging. That would be worthwhile to hear. On this one, even Don Lemon actually said, look, you guys got to stop the rioting. This was interesting. Play clip nine. I actually thought it was pretty strong, but I think his message would be stronger if he stands in front of a podium and not uh, in a Zoom thing at his house. I'm just being honest. If presentation out, matters. Presentation matters to come out and stand in, in, at a podium in D.C. or wherever, even in Wisconsin, yeah. and say, uh, listen, this is, what I, this is what I expected today if they were going to uh, really come out and do the thing right, whether it was going to be Kamala Harris or Joe Biden. Good afternoon, everyone. Mm -hmm. I, the rioting has to stop. The violence has to stop. And under a Biden-Harris administration, there will be no lawlessness on the street. Now, you folks who want police reform, especially you young people, we hear you. And we are going to do that under this in this administration. But the people who are out there rioting are not protected by the First Amendment. And they are usurping your power and all of the gains that you have made with your movement. And it's got to stop. Why haven't they said that? That's the better question. We all know what they should say. We all know what Biden and Harris should be telling people. Why hasn't it already happened? Why didn't it happen months ago? Because they thought it was working for them. They figured our base is energized. 
we're all having this constant conversation about race and racism that never goes anywhere helpful. But yeah, we're forcing the conversation and we have our activists out there and they're raising money and corporate America is showing just abject cowardice and bending the knee to BLM all over the place. Yeah, we're on offense. We're going after Trump. Cities are besieged. Trump voters are scared. They're stuck in their homes. They can't go out and protest. Yeah, yeah. They loved it. They thought it was great. Now they don't think it's so great. Because people are seeing them for who they are. Seeing what's really going on. Isn't it fascinating? Here we are almost in September, right before, right before the election. Oh, gee. Is this because they recognized that it was wrong to have these riots and looting all this time? Or is it because the Democrats are losing ground in the polls and they're recognizing that Donald Trump is going to be president for four more years if they don't knock this crap out right away with the looting, the rioting? And I think they're worried they can't shut it down. They're going to try. They're trying to get the message out now. But this is all about the cynical posturing of Democrats. It's not about a recognition of what's moral and what's right here. Speaking of cynical posturing, let's go back to Joe Biden for a moment. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I mean, you imagine I'm getting attacked on my religion by Donald Trump. When's the last time he darkened the doorway of a church? Okay, Joe, you claim to be a Roman Catholic. I'm a Roman Catholic. And guess what? You advocate for abortion for all nine months of a pregnancy as a public figure involved in the writing of laws. Worse than just an individual advocating for sin, you're actually open. He's actually opening the door to egregious, egregious violations of Catholic doctrine as a legal matter. He continues to support all of that. Joe Biden should be denied communion in every church that he goes to. Donald Trump, according to people who have been fighting for the pro-life movement for many, many years, Donald Trump is the most pro-life president this country has had in the Roe, in a post-Roe v. Wade era. You can argue he's the most pro-life president ever. What is Joe Biden's response to that? Yeah, man, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Catholic. I'm, uh, you know, I really, you know, I do. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. He's the really religious one. Why is that? In what way is this guy anything but a fraud? I mean, really, he, he should be the guy who is trying to call you to tell you that you won a free cruise that you didn't actually win. That's what Joe Biden should be doing. But because of the amazing Good luck of the American boomer generation. This guy has somehow become a United States senator for decades. It's astonishing. It really is in some ways a repudiation of the American American ideal that this guy could continue to get elected. It's a repudiation of our of our republic and our form of government that this guy could be, you know, paid whatever it is, close to or two hundred thousand plus dollars a year to be a senator. I think now, unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, but yeah, he thinks he's the religious one. He thinks he's the good guy in all of this. Sure. Oh, and there's another place where you should prepare for gaslighting of an epic fashion. I mean, the most <laughs> the most egregious gaslighting possible when it comes to the DOJ, the Justice Department and the Obama administration. Uh, here is Joe Biden. Play 13. He's using the White House as a prop now. I mean, he's look what's going on. 
in terms of the Hatch Act. And I know people don't know what the Hatch Act is, but using using federal properties to make political statements from and political campaigns. Can you imagine what would have happened if, if Barack Obama did that when he was running the second time or I did that from the White House lawn or the Rose Garden or whatever? It's just it's just every single thing. The Justice Department is the most corrupt Justice Department in modern American history. And so it's just a violation of all the basic tenets of what we say our democratic institutions are designed to prevent from happening. I'm pretty sure that our democratic institutions are designed to prevent us from having a Department of Justice that illegally spies on the incoming administration after a presidential election. In Washington Post, fact checkers went after this one recently. It's amazing. They still pretend like we have learned nothing. They still cling to the utter fiction, the total fiction that there wasn't terrible misconduct at the DOJ and at the very top of the Obama administration, including Obama and Biden sitting in the room talking about how they were going to weaponize the law for political reasons against the incoming administration. There was no good faith. That wasn't a, that wasn't a peaceful and respectful transfer of power. It was OK. I guess this is your house now. I'm the last renter and you're now renting the house. So, you know, I'm just going to light a couple of the drapes on fire and see what happens on my way out. That's what the Obama team did. We know this now. This is this is established. But still that they'll they'll pretend that the real the real corruption in the DOJ is the Trump administration. Oh, well, we're going to talk now about the emoluments. Is it fascinating? Now, all the libs have turned into uh, makeshift lawyers and the lib lawyers are just as, as dumb and crazy as the rest of them. But they're all talking about the Hatch Act, the Logan Act, the emoluments clause. Is there an obscure law that's like vaguely unconstitutional that they can't try to, to whine about to make themselves feel better? Unbelievable. Emolu- How many of them actually even knew what the emoluments clause was before Donald Trump came into office? Because there's just been a there's been a whole industry created of people that come up with unique reasons why they, they can pretend the law says a certain thing and pretend that Donald Trump has violated that thing. Therefore, he's a criminal and he's not really the president anymore. The people have built whole careers on this. Joe Biden continues to be a, a, a joke, a clown, a loser. We all know it. We've all seen it. But it's so much easier for them, isn't it, to just act like we don't remember anything. That's That's such a prominent part of the Democrat, the Democrat approach on all this stuff for Biden. Oh, oh I did see. Uh, what is it now? So the the uh, the MLB had producer Mark did the Mets walk off now too. Yes, the Mets uh, took the field and promptly walked off. Uh, you know, professional sports. Look, I I can live without it. I don't know. I don't really care. So I'm not a good person to ask about this. Uh, what what exactly do they think they're doing other than trying to up their social media follower count with all this stuff? What what are they complaining about now? It's not even clear. They just want to complain. Wah! They just want to be upset and angry. These professional overpaid babies. Most of them just won the lottery with talents given to them by God. Oh, they worked so hard. Yeah, everyone who plays 
up the college athletics level works really, really hard, okay? Some people are given more than others in terms of gifts, but these these uh, players want to complain about it. It's pretty gross. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Will there be a debate? So many of you have been asking me this question, and you write in about it. I think the answer is going to be yes. Especially now the Democrats have been losing ground, and Biden looks like he's shaky in the polls. I mean, he's always shaky, but shaky in the polls in particular. So I think you are going to see, uh, I think you are going to see a debate. But they're certainly opening the door to no debates. They're certainly doing what they can to uh, have it at least be an option for Biden to say, I'm not going to do a debate. I don't feel like it this time. I'm not going to do it. You know, he doesn't, you know, he hasn't earned my respect, Trump. He's a bad man. I need a nap. That's what we think is at least possible. Pelosi. Oh, and, and wasn't it a conspiracy theory that they were even going to talk about this? What Wasn't that what we were told? That anyone who even raised the possibility, raised the possibility of this, um, was, well, making it up. It was a conspiracy. And then Pelosi actually says, Actually, you know what I... And she, wake, she wakes up. She's had... Uh, about five too many Pinot Grigios, probably, the night before. But she wakes up and says, 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 master legislator, Pelosi. She said the following, play clip one. Since you asked about that, I myself, just don't tell anybody I told you this, especially don't tell Joe Biden. I don't think that there should be any debates. I do not think that the president of the United States has comported himself in a way that anybody has any association with truth, evidence, data and facts. I wouldn't I wouldn't legitimize a conversation with him nor a debate in terms of the presidency of the United States. Now, I know that the Biden campaign thinks in a different way about this, but I just I thought what he did in the uh, 2016 was disgraceful, stalking Hillary Clinton like that. I was disappointed that the press didn't say, go back to your station. You're not here. You don't own this stage. You you have your own podium. She has hers. So I, I think that he'll probably act in a way that is beneath the dignity of the presidency. He does that every day. So there should be no debates because why? Oh, because the president is undignified. Isn't, isn't that amazing? That's supposed to be a real... And don't think that this is just Nancy Pelosi waking up from the hangover and, you know... <laughs> shouldn't be. No, she's putting this out there because she wants to see what the public response is to this. She wants to see what it is that we are being told. Um, oh, she wants to see, rather, what it is that we, we do in reaction to what we're being told with all of us. If people say, yeah, that seems good. Oh, then then you'll the media. Queen Pelosi directs the media. They don't direct her. So she puts this out there. We'll see what happens. And then all of a sudden you'll start seeing think pieces. You'll start seeing the op ed columns in the Washington Post, the New York Times, the op ed columns writing things about how, 
you know what, we we really shouldn't dignify the Trump administration by having a debate. Biden's above that. Yeah, really? He's the sitting. Trump is a sitting president, folks. If he's so undignified and so terrible and such a joke and all the rest of it, uh, guess what? They should take the opportunity. They should leap at the opportunity to show that to the American people by having Joe Biden, you know, clean his clock on stage, so to speak. Yeah, I'll show him all the malarkey. And but I don't I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Remember with with Trump and Hillary and Trump and the other Republicans. He's a, he's a fight. We haven't seen Trump in a debate in a long time. I remember Trump was very good on his feet and he knows how to throw a punch. I, I'll never forget when Joe Biden debated Paul Ryan back in uh, what was it now? 2008. No, sorry. 2011. 2012 no, 2012 and it just he just bullied him and then paul ryan was there like well i have all the spreadsheets and i'm a really nice guy and you know i've crunched all the numbers and what he's saying is just not true and Biden's like yeah whatever little squirt get out of the way i want to just talk over you and yell it's just not true i'm awesome but obama biden media loves us you shut up little, little whatever and you know paul ryan's like well hold on a second but i just feel like I feel like we should all be able to have a conversation here. I, I feel like that we need to have a conversation and, and, you know, we need to have a talk about things. And this is what they're saying, folks. It's what we're being told all the time about Biden when it comes into the debates that we need to we, we need to allow him to determine whether or not Trump now is at the level where he can he can d- demand a debate. It, it's absurd. It's insane. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. All right, everybody, what's really going on here in the Big Apple? There's a lot of conversation happening about the destruction of cities across the country under Democrat rule. We have somebody joining who is part of the state assembly running for Congress here in NYC. Maybe the only Republican congresswoman in New York City if she wins. Nicole Maliotakis is with us now. Nicole, thanks so much. Great to be with you, Buck. Thanks a lot. All right. What's going on with my city? This place is a mess. How are we going to fix it? Well, you know what? The, the, the thing is, that you, you're absolutely right. I would be the only Republican Congress member, and it is critically important to have that voice of opposition again because, you know, for 30 years, uh, this seat was in Republican hands. It was the only voice that really pushed back against the, the, the far left, and uh, we need that more than ever with people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, Bill de Blasio, and my opponent, Max Rose. They, they're taking basically uh, substantial liberties with the criminal justice system and, and allowing criminals to be released back onto the street. They're supporting the defund of the police movement. Uh, in the state legislature, under one-party rule, they passed a uh, an initiative that uh, basically eliminates bail for serious offenses. Uh, I've been that voice of reason for the last uh, 10 years in the state assembly. I've actually stopped the mayor on a number of issues, including he wanted to bring heroin injection centers to our city, wants to build a jail in my district. That was not going to happen. And of course, uh, the bail law that took effect, which is really the main issue uh, that has created so much chaos on the streets of New York City, where they are just took away the judge's discretion to hold people. Um, and we were able to get that actually just fixed in the last couple of months. We were able to get homicide, manslaughter, 
felony drug charges, strangulation, back onto the list of crimes in which a judge can use discretion, which, which is an improvement, uh, but certainly there's so much more to do, and that's why we need more Republicans in this city pushing back. You have flight from a lot of cities across the country, but the unfortunately, it seems, the single uh, worst place for people leaving right now, New York City, I've seen estimates of over 400,000 uh, have left the five boroughs. Do we have any sense of how many of them are coming back? And also, what do you think is going to happen if they don't open restaurants soon when it comes to the decision to come back? Yeah, well, you know what? People are leaving in droves, and that certainly is something that we've warned about. Uh, and we hope the governor and the mayor come to their senses and realize that we are losing our tax base, that this city is going to be a real economic ruin if we don't not only keep people here, the taxpayers here, but also – uh, make sure that our businesses can survive here. And that, that requires two things. One is law and order. Businesses want to be in safe communities. They're not going to reopen a store if they're going to get their windows smashed and be looted or their employees aren't safe. Uh, the second thing is we have to make sure that we reopen our economy. We're not doing that here in New York. You're seeing how so many jobs and, and industries are returning around the country, but not here in in very liberal left-wing New York. Look, we want to be safe. There are precautions. There are guidelines. But we need to reopen as well. And I've actually joined with one of my colleagues and two local attorneys. Uh, Luke Erlamino is one of them. Uh, we announced a class action lawsuit against the mayor and the governor to reopen our indoor dining here in the city uh, because that industry is, is dying. And 200,000 people are out of work in that industry alone in the city of new york and so you know it makes no sense we meet the metrics just like everyone else of, of the other municipalities here in the state of new york uh, but yet we're the only ones new york city is the only one that you can't have any form of indoor dining at this time and and so that's what that lawsuit is going to be filed shortly and we have we have a many we have over a hundred restaurants uh probably it's uh, hundreds at this point uh, that have signed on to that class action lawsuit and how how do you think that's going to proceed? How long? Because, you know, time is not on the side of these establishments. We're speaking to Nicole Maliotakis, a state assemblywoman from Staten Island, running for Congress here in New York. Uh, Nicole, how long before you're going to get an answer on that? Because it seems to people like we're living in this de Blasio dictatorship right now. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But I mean, you know, this was our only course of action that was left because we've been screaming and yelling and there's been petitions and. Uh, we've done press conferences. We've tried to put pressure. We've written letters, and there's been no, um, no, 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 no negotiation, nothing, no conversation with this governor or the mayor regarding indoor dining. And so this was the only thing we could do now is take some sort of legal action, and that's what we're doing. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Look, the legal system is is a slow one. It it, it will take time, and ho- we're just hoping that the uh, threat of this lawsuit will hopefully get them to realize what they're doing is is terrible but it's not just that they won't allow the indoor dining it's that they are shaking down they're it's a legalized extortion what they're doing they are shaking down these small businesses whether it's construction sites whether it be um you know department of building inspections whether it be uh, the restaurants being inspected by the health department by the, the transportation department that's uh, scrutinizing the way they have the tables set outside or what kind of tent they're using they are getting harassed by the city, by the state, uh, and that's what we've been also pushing back on 
And uh, it seems that they're looking, instead of making these businesses survive and prosperous and gain their revenue based on the taxes that they pay, uh, they want to instead just shake them down and extort them for, for money to fill the city and state government coffers. Well, let's, let's get into that a little bit. How big is the shortfall going to be by the end of this year? And what is the, you know, Democrats uh, in the in the uh, city council and and also de Blasio administration plan for this? What are they going to do? Well, look, the city and state are losing billions by the month. I mean, it's the longer that they don't you know, work to reopen this economy and, and restore law and order, most importantly, to keep these you got to keep these businesses here. You got to keep the residents that are here, the taxpayers here. Um, I think that that is a warning that we've been that's an alarm we've been sounding for months now. And, um, you know, they're, they're you know, the money does not grow on trees. I mean, if we, if we lose these individuals who are a really important part of our uh, our society here in New York City and state, we are going to be in trouble. And, uh, you know, you get concerned about this mayor, the way he spends money. Uh, he, this is somebody who took a $70 billion budget under Mayor Bloomberg and has made it a $96 billion budget. And he only started cutting back a little bit this year because he had no choice. Uh, but you see the way he spends money, a billion, two billion on uh, his, his, his wife's Thrive NYC program, which has been a disaster. He lost a billion dollars in the um, renewal schools program, which which was, you know, these contracts with high priced consultants and the waste that goes on at the Department of Education. Uh, you know, they're, they're, he, he's not someone in any by any means who is a good guardian of taxpayer money. And so the more he wastes money and the more he drives out people who pay taxes, we're really going to be in dire streets. And that, and that's sort of like what, where we are at this point. And I, I, we're hoping that, you know, some that he wakes up. <laughs> we're speaking to Nicole Maliotakis, New York State Assembly member and candidate for uh, U.S. House Representatives. 11th district um nicole before we let you go i I just want to know if you're are you hearing from democrats in in your district that you know enough is enough and and maybe even if they don't agree with you on everything but this is my hope as as a new yorker at least and i'm and i'm like this to be the case across the country in cities that are going through similar things to what new york is going through right now are you hearing from democrats who will say that they're willing to work with you or, or, or they're willing to join you in shoring up the budgetary issue uh, in a responsible way and law and order on the streets. I mean, that should be a bipartisan area. Uh, And even this week, you have Democrats like Kamala Harris and Joe Biden starting to move in that direction. Are some Democrats coming out to you that are willing to have that conversation? You know, from the government perspective, unfortunately, it doesn't seem that they are serious about, you know, they're looking at increasing taxes. They continue to push these radical uh, left-wing type agendas relating to crime. Um, it, it doesn't seem like they're looking to work to actually put New York in order. I get the people, though, the Democratic individuals who live in this district, they do come up to me and they say they have had enough of this party. They feel that the Democratic Party has gone way to the left and have left them, and they are joining me in my campaign. Uh, we picked up the Police Benevolent Association, which represents 50,000 members of the NYPD this week. Uh, I picked up the support of, of Rudy Giuliani last week. President Trump has come out and personally talked about this district and how my opponent needs to go. Uh, we can win back this seat, uh, and, and, and this would be New York City's only voice once again. Again, 30 years, we lost it in 2018. We can win it back, and we are seeing Democrats, independents, Republicans, people from across the political s- spectrum 
join us in this campaign because they do see the need, the importance of having at least one Republican who's going to be presenting an alternative viewpoint in this city and pushing back on some of these real radical proposals that we've seen so far. And I, you know, everyone who's listening that wants to help, Nicole4NY.com, you know, there's tons of ways to get involved. So visit my website and let's just make sure that New York City does have at least one common sense voice in Washington. Nicole Meligatakis, she's uh, running for the 11th district here in New York for Congress, and she's a state assembly member. Nicole, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Hey, great to be with you. Thank you. So, look, there, there, are, there are only so many, so many people that will go along with Democrats ruining a city, as they're doing here in New York. And they really are ruining it. I mean, I know there's debates about this, but there's only so many people that will go through this and deal with this before they realize that they've got to switch up the approach. So I view New York, I know for a lot of you, uh, uh, you know, there's, you're you're not in the city, but I view New York as the laboratory, in a sense, for, for what Democrats completely unchecked can do to a place that had been functioning pretty well because it has, it's just like California. There's so much that New York has that is to its benefit, that's sort of baked into it, right? We've got incredible history, location, geography of this place, the infrastructure that's already here, the history of it as a financial hub, and all these things, incredibly important, powerful stuff. And if you have the wrong leadership, if you have radical left Democrats in charge, they can find a way to ruin it. And that's what they're doing. The same way that in California, people forget was a Republican state in national elections uh, during the Reagan years. And I I think George H.W. Bush actually might have even won California. It used to be a pretty reliably red state. And through illegal immigration and far left wing policy and high taxation, it has become a radical left enclave. And everyone now suffers. And, And it's now my friends out there have the same complaints that you have here in New York, where there's. You know, the streets are a mess and the vagrants are not only all over the place, but they're increasingly aggressive and desperate. And there's there's uh, violence that happens involving that they commit. These are things that we're all seeing happen. And I just I know that right now they're they're going to be feverishly trying to come up with ways in the live media to make it make it seem like that's not the truth. It is the truth. What's happening in New York is a canary in the coal mine for the rest of the country. And it's time to get things under control. Here. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ain't no party like a team buck party. Cause a team buck party don't stop. Yeah, we got buck turned up to 11. It's time for Roll Call. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com. So that's all the stuff we need there. Uh, Producer Mark, I assume you're not going to boycott Major League Baseball, even though they're walking off the field, right? Yeah, no, I'm never going to boycott any sports. It's in my blood. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Uh, so we'll see, but it, uh, where, where are they now in the baseball season? I think technically like around halfway through the trade deadlines on Monday, but some teams haven't played 
as many games as the other because of COVID outbreaks. It's it is a catastrophe. <laughs> Sixty game ah, okay. season. Uh, have they uh, have the ratings the the TV ratings been way down because it's just less exciting without a crowd or do people not really care? Uh, I haven't seen any articles that the ratings are way down. Obviously, they're a little down just be, like because well, one you've got the NBA, NHL, and MLB playing all at the same time, which is obviously different. So you're taking away from the normal August baseball audience because you've got the playoffs of those two other sports going, and then obviously the playoff ratings wouldn't be as high as they would be in the middle of the winter. So uh, I think the ratings talk is a little... Uh, it's not as it's not the normal ratings. You have to look at it with, you know, COVID eyes, if you will. Fair enough. Well, there you have. What's what are your plans for the weekend? Anything exciting? I got a fantasy football draft. That's fun. Okay, that's good. Who's going to be? Or can you not tell us? Does that give away your strategy? Who will be your number one pick? Uh, well, I don't have the number one overall pick, uh, so it's really it depends on the in this draft it depends on the nine people ahead of me. Because I won the league last year, but they don't listen to the show, so you could tell me who who's going to be your who's going to be the person you try to get first. Uh, I guess Nick Chubb at that position, but uh, it's kind of hard to say. Huh. You don't even know who that is. I don't. Who is that? He played. He's the running back for the Browns. Hmm. Interesting. Learn something new every day. David writes in Buck. I never miss an episode of your show. It's often the highlight of my day. Well, thank you so much, David. That's really high praise. Even with the bad news, my reaction to your show is usually similar to the one I have after watching a Trump rally. You never leave to fail me. In, uh, you never leave. Sorry. You never fail to leave me inspired and with an upbeat smile on my face. Pro uh, Producer Mark is doing a super fine job as well. He does, however, remind me a little bit of Carlton, the doorman for some reason. Who's that? Who's what? Who Carlton, the doorman is Carlton, the doorman. No, I have no, no idea. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming this is a like a, a mythological grouchy creature of it, some kind. It's definitely not Carlton from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. No, you do not remind anybody of that Carlton. Although I can dance like him, for those who are curious. I would love to see that. Yeah. Shield time, my friend David writes. Henceforth, I'm making it my mission to pass the buck. You and Tucker are the best. Don't ever stop. You're definitely raising a few IQs and making a palpable difference. Give him hell. David, that is very, very kind. Your note has made my day means a lot thank you so much um so yes really really appreciate that okay um next up here we have uh andrew writes hello super radio host and producer my company just gave us an email with the following ridiculousness apparently we're in second grade again all employees will receive a sticker from their manager supervisor that is to be placed on the back of their employee ID badge. Employees can simply show this sticker on their ID badge to a coworker that is not wearing their mask properly. So they take a moment to fix the situation in a friendly, non-confrontational manner. <laughs> is this a thing that people do? Mark, did I miss this in preschool? I guess so. I mean, I guess they're trying to stop confrontation in the workplace. I don't know. I guess if somebody showed me a little sign that said wear a mask, um, I would laugh and then I would mock them. So it does do that. Yeah, at least it makes you happy instead of angry. Yeah. But then again, I mean, if it's a office that requires masks to be there, I mean, technically that's the mandate. I mean, there's, there's complying with the mandate because you have no choice. And then there's the recognition that this is stupid. Um, but that's what it is. So that's where I am on it. Hey, you know, I could I could be wrong. Just remember, 
All we have to do is wear masks. It'll all go away, except we've all been wearing masks for months and months, and it didn't just go away. So there is that. There is that. You can pay attention to that, or you can think that I don't know what. Mike, how's it going, Buck? Michael here from Fairbanks, Alaska. Ooh, sounds cold. Just started listening to you about five months ago on News Radio 970 KFBX Fairbanks. Now I listen to your podcast on Spotify, so I don't miss a show. Mike, I love it. Thank you. Continue to please listen on Spotify and pass the buck to other friends in Alaska. We love our Team Buck Alaska folks. They're a rugged, individualistic, patriotic bunch that know how to debone a salmon and scare off a grizzly bear. Mike writes, I'm writing in today because I'm being canceled. Oh, God, this is a serious email. I'm sorry. I'm being canceled by my own wife of nine years, believe it or not. I'm a Hispanic currently serving the army. Uh, for 11 years, wife is white and a stay-at-home mom with three kids and one on the way. She's a hardened Trump basher. She thinks the president is an incompetent fool, a racist, and a disbeliever in science when it comes to mask wearing. Well, apparently I am too. There's no changing her mind on any of that. It's very sad that I can't be as, as, as outspoken as I want to be in my own home about my political views. I can't tell her outright that I love and support Trump for everything he's done for our country. She has threatened divorce if I were to say anything positive about him or any Republican. A part of me wishes, she, oh gosh, um, the one thing keeps me around are my kids. I can't be without them. I can't raise my shield high in my home. Please keep yours high for me. Man, Mike, yeah, shield's high for you, buddy. That's tough. I'm so sorry about that. That's not an easy situation on the on the home front. But I, look, I don't believe that people should allow their politics to, uh, to corrode and, and degrade their personal relationships. It's just... It's just not worth it, man. The, the, the people around you, that's your life. That's your that's what you're dealing with every day. Uh, it's just so sad. It's so sad. I, I can't imagine taking that perspective. I can handle even the looniest lib as long as they're respectful, nice and, you know, willing to shut the blank up about their politics when they're you know around me. And that's fine. And I'll do the same, by the way. I, I, it's not a one way street. You know, we can I can be around anybody and not talk politics with them and get along just fine. But. I always do find it uh, pretty, pretty amazing when people find out what I do in a social setting. And I usually tell them something like, I work in media. That's my, if I don't know where I am and who I'm dealing with, I'll just say, yeah, I work in the media. And they'll say, uh, you know, I, I do voiceovers for this guy, producer Mark, who's uh, lighting up the, uh, lighting up the charts. You know, that's, I said something like that. You know what I mean? So. Why do you have to drag me into it? I don't know. I figure maybe then they'll like me. So, you know, I just say it. I, I try to come up with something that's very non-confrontational, but they keep pushing. And then they find out what I do. There is this tendency, and only, of course only the libs will do this to me, to they'll, they'll, hear, they'll find out that I work in talk radio, as in I host a nationally syndicated talk radio show on, I think, over 180 stations now. And they'll say something like, well, have you ever thought of, and then they launch into something, and I'm always like, yes. That talking point that sounds like it comes out of a DNC press release. Yes, I have thought of that. And yes, I have heard. Of, it's always it's like, oh, wait, Buck, I'm going to I'm going to blow your mind with this one thing. You know, I uh, I work in an office doing something that has nothing to do with politics and you do this all day long. But I, I'm I just met you. And within 30 seconds of meeting you, I'm going to totally shatter your sense of of politics by Dropping this bomb. People do this all. I can't. It happens all the time. Happens all the time. It's kind of the version of, uh, well, 
I remember when I was in the CIA and if, when people found, and it was the same thing. I'd say, I work for the government. You know, I'm an analyst. I, you know, I just do government stuff. I work in foreign policy for the government, whatever. But they eventually pushed me or they figured out, you know, CIA. So I wasn't really allowed to lie about it. Uh, that was another thing. I was, a, I was an overt employee. So I wasn't supposed to make up stories. Uh, anyway, but people would always say, oh, you work at the CIA? Do you know? And they'd say somebody. And I was like, no, look, uh, there was two things. One, the CIA is very big. And two, we don't talk about who else works at the CIA ever, ever. <laughs> so there was a, well, do you know, blah, blah, blah. No, I do not know blah, blah, blah. And if I did, I would still say, no, I do not know blah, blah, blah. So. Hopefully there's nobody who works there named blah, blah, blah. You mean you don't, don't just go to bars and tell people CIA secrets? That's not how it works? No, nah, it's a bad idea if you want yeah, to stay I out of federal so. prison. Yeah, no, I know. That's the thing. So, But if you want, you know, three hots and a cot inside of a prison cell, then then sure, go for it. Um, anyway, Michael, I'm sorry to get, get off uh, away from your, your message here, but I, I just thought uh, worth saying to you that... Um, just stay in it, man. You know, focus on that relationship. Focus on those kids. And this, let the Freedom Hut be your outlet. You can always tune into us. You've always got friends here. The truth can be here. You and the wife, you focus on being good to each other, supporting each other, and taking care of those kids. Leave, just leave the politics out of it. You don't have to get into it. Uh, Michelle. Although I will say I'm not married because I've dated too many, I dated too many liberals in my life, and I didn't realize what a problem that was until recently. Um, that's probably one of the biggest, probably... Probably, I'd say, maybe, probably, totally, uh, one of the biggest single mistakes that I made in my personal life. I mean, not a big mistake in that I didn't get married and then have to get divorced from a person because of their politics. Uh, but it is a, it, that has been a challenge for me that I didn't, I always thought, oh, well, you can get around that. Maybe 20 years ago or even 10 years ago, you could, but these days everyone is so immersed in this all the time. And I do think that social media creates this kind of endless feedback loop of politics so yeah you know no one's able to escape it you know you think you're i'm on tiktok and i'm trying to this happens sometimes oh i just said i'm on tiktok didn't i i'm not supposed to be on tiktok you did. they're gonna they're like selling it to an american company in a couple of days i don't know, look i didn't i didn't i don't know the chinese already know all about me they already stole my opm file so I, what else are they gonna figure out i'm not that concerned about it but I know I'm supposed to be, I would be concerned about it for strategic reasons, but as an individual, I don't know, I'm not really that worried about it. But don't, don't follow my behavior on this. Some of you are going to get very annoyed at me. Um, what else do we have here? Oh, no, I was going to say on TikTok, sometimes I just want to look at, there's these guys that do these great cooking red meat videos, and I love those. These cooking red meat videos. And, and then all of a sudden it'll go to someone who's doing a little dance, and at the end it's like, and I hate Trump. And you're like, I don't want to see this. I don't want to see your anti-Trump stupidity. I didn't come here for this. You know, I don't know how the algorithm. I think it's gotten better because as I swipe more and more, you know, you have less of that. But in the beginning, at least, the algorithms will show what other people are all seeing because they're all saying, yay, it's great. I'm telling you, TikTok's pretty addictive. When you start using it, you sit there, you just burn through time. You know what else is pretty addictive? Playing God of War on PlayStation 4. I'm almost 40. I got to stop, but I don't know. It's fun. Can't help it. It's a nice, a nice. It's escape. not like it used to be, Buck. That if you're 40 and playing video games, it's a, it's looked down upon. Think about it. I, We've been growing up playing video games our entire lives. They're not just for kids anymore. No, I mean the God of War video. It's like a movie where you're. It's like a choose your own adventure cinema. It's pretty amazing, actually. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. Plus, when I when I play Call of Duty, I like to sneak up behind people and hit them with the butt of my rifle and then yell into my headset, That's right, noob! So, Please like tell that. me you don't actually do that. <laughs> no, but people do it to me. And I want to do it back to them because they do it to me. It's like, I'm not a noob. How dare you, sir? How dare you calleth me a noob in the Call of Duty? Just but, imagining yeah. you getting screamed at and bullied by like 12 year olds oh it happens <laughs> it happens all the time they're like yeah take that i just stabbed you you couldn't even shoot me because i stabbed you and I'm like, they're like yeah noob take that i'm always like oh and they say much worse stuff than just take that too but I, but i don't have the headset to talk back to them and i can just tell these kids are like 14 oh man anyway yeah that happens for sure they bully me they're bullying me on call of duty Patrick Buck, after watching Trump's nomination speech, I feel like he shifted the Republican Party into the Libertarian Party without the Republicans knowing. Taking on big business, defending the Constitution, protecting constitutional rights while accepting gay rights. He has presented himself as the perfect candidate that I never thought he would become. I didn't vote for Trump in 2016, but you can bet your swoop. That's very valuable that I'm voting for four more years of Trump, four years of American triumph. Four more years of being proud to live in the greatest and most successful experiment of natural rights ever attempted on this earth. Well, Patrick, I'm so glad the Trumpster's coming through for you, man. Thank you. I'm happy to hear it. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. All right. More roll call. Before we get into it, though, remember, I'm going to be out I'm going to be visiting the great American West next weekend. So I'm going to be in, I'm actually be in Montana. I can tell you that I'll be in Montana for a couple of days off the quarantine list. Yay. So I can come back to New York and not being my quarantine ends today or tomorrow, I guess, technically or something like that. But anyway, do you have to uh, go yeah, back be... on the quarantine list afterwards? I'm sorry. What do you have to go back on the list after you get no, back? No, because Montana's Montana? off the list. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Montana's off the list, so I'm good. South Carolina, I mean, uh, North Carolina is still on the list, so I can go there and not have to quarantine. Not that I had to quarantine. The whole thing is ridiculous. It's preposterous. No one's quarantining. It's a joke. But anyway, uh, but yeah, so I'll be out next Thursday and Friday. I'm going to miss you all very much. So make sure you turn in, uh, tune in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and that you pass the buck in the meantime. And then after that, that's I'm taking a long weekend for Memorial Day. I'm, I just said Memorial Day. Labor Day. I'm taking a long weekend for Labor Day. And then uh, Mark and I are going to be in the political matrix until the election nonstop. There will be no days off. There will be no, there'll be nothing. Neither rain nor snow nor, nor I don't know, whatever will keep us from our appointed rounds of spreading that freedom. And then we'll just take off from Thanksgiving on. Yeah, we're going to take some time. We'll come back eventually. But we're going to be totally locked and loaded with you guys until the election, and it's going to be quite a time on this show. Make sure you pass the buck. People that care about politics should be listening to this show. Spotify is super easy for any of you who use that. Uh, Also, the iHeart app, our employer, very, very good app. Good app. And uh, what's the other? Oh, Apple Podcasts. That's the other one. Just type in Buck Sexton. The show pops up. Boom. You listen anytime you want. It's fantastic. Michelle, why did President Trump give a lengthy acceptance speech last night? Because he can. A stark contrast to Biden's short and awkward speech. I can't wait for the debates. Um, Michelle, I hear what you're saying. I appreciate it. I do wish the speech as somebody who was supporting Trump and thought the RNC overall was a huge success. A plus. Uh, I 
I felt like it could have been a little shorter. But anyway, it was great. Have a fantastic weekend, everybody. Honored to have a chance to talk to you today. We'll, we'll speak on Monday. Relax, chillax, enjoy yourselves the next few days. Shields high.